Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Crispy Sports Corner. I'm your host, Chris Platty. Here bringing alongside me is Chris Phillips. Chris, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. This is what we'll call an emergency holy hell podcast because <laughs> everything just unleashed in the playoffs and all these Clipper injuries. We'll get to those later. But first, I want to start with a little Cavs-Pistons series that wrapped up this weekend. Chris, what were your takeaways? Who were, who was? Give me somebody who was a champ for, for the Cavs in this series. Uh, the obvious one is Kyrie. Kyrie just totally destroyed them with threes and making plays left and right each game. The... Um, buzzer beater not the well the shot clock buzzer beater at the end of game three that yeah, was that was that was crucial that was huge pretty much end of the game and then of course the uh one in game four he had multiple threes down the stretch and then ultimately the stop on reggie also would it was it a foul was it not a foul whatever you want to say i would say no but it wasn't no <laughs> um, it wasn't and but that's obvious um well, as a whole their whole team as a whole their team played well um, he's obviously their champ for that series, the MVP per se. Um, but other guys stepped up big time, like J.R. Smith had a couple good games, made big threes. Um, Kevin Love did his job. Um, and Tristan Thompson, if he has those games where he can attack the glass and everyone everyone else is hitting on their on their part, then they're probably the most dangerous team, I, honestly, I think, in the whole NBA. No, I agree with you. I, I'm glad you brought up the Tristan Thompson thing because – that seemed at watching those games. That seemed so killer because every time Drummond would force be forced to rotate, and then no one could box out Tristan Thompson, and he just got so many offensive rebounds every game. I I didn't look at the numbers, but I I mean honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he averaged four offensive rebounds a game. He was just grabbing them every time Drummond rotated, and that was a huge problem for the Pistons. That led to so many second-chance points, and Cleveland dominated the Pistons in that category. Um, overall, a champ for me will start with the Cavs. I think it was, obviously, I, I do agree with the whole Kyrie, but if I had to pick somebody else, I, I would say I would say Kevin Love, even though he had a bad Game 4, but it looked like in Game 4 he got shook up and uh, he had some type of arm injury, and I thought maybe it was another shoulder injury. I remember seeing in the play. Early was, in the first, um... yeah. Who was the play with? Um, it was almost like a similar play to the Kelly Olenek one last year. Yeah. And even me being a Pistons fan, well, I'm a cat. Well, I'm not gonna say I'm a Cavs fan. I'm a LeBron fan. But I, when I seen that, I even got mad that like, I it wasn't a like a purpose thing. But it's like yeah, for it's just that, like to, come on, yeah, to even another like, yeah, exactly again. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I do want to see this Cleveland team healthy. I am a Pistons fan, but I do want to see this Cleveland team healthy because I really want to see. And I want all these Cavs fans to know that the Warriors are going to annihilate the Cavs regardless. <laughs> but we'll get to that in another time. Um, Chris, just 
give me give me uh, somebody you thought on the Pistons side that actually played positive. Give me a chance. Marcus Morris was the biggest step up player in the whole not the series, but for the Pistons, I think so. Just because the expectations aren't necessarily that high with Morris, I'd say. Like you would hope he gives you your fourteen and six or whatever it is. But he came out in multiple games in the first half and I think he had nineteen or twenty in two of the four games and he was a big contributor scoring wise. If they couldn't get if Drummond or Reggie couldn't hit a shot, he always seemed to be there and was there to hit a shot for them. Yeah, no, I I agree. Marcus was huge, but I also I I I want to go a different route. I want to go KCP. And I know that sounds crazy um, that I'm going to praise his defense when Kyrie played amazing, but again that that just shows how we didn't bring that up when we were talking about Kyrie. How good of defense KCP played on him, and this man still got buckets every play. Uh, Kyrie played sensational, and KCP actually did play sensational defense. He he was a dog. He was locked on him all game of every single game of the entire series. And offensively, I thought he shot the ball well. He uh, he attacked the basket well. And he his it was it was nice to see from KCP an all-around good series. It was only four games. But usually with KCP, you don't see four good games back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So and it just was nice, nice for him. Uh, the, the whole starting five as a whole as uh, being young. But for him, he's what 20 whatever two. 22 I think and he's playing against Kyrie LeBron and the Cavs his first playoff series and he did four he had four good games so that's nice to see that that will help him build for future series okay so we'll go to we'll go to a chump and you and I talked about this on, on the Cleveland side we don't really think there is one everybody kind of did think, their job no, right you can't really point any fingers nothing really went wrong like everyone that had to contribute did that yeah. so I don't see anything on that side yeah some people like even the people that didn't necessarily contribute they just played okay they That's didn't what I'm saying like nobody messed up nobody stood out I was like wow what a mess up that yeah. one, you know but for Trump I think this for Detroit is very easy and I'm gonna say Reggie Jackson Chris oh he blew man. He blew pretty much down the stretch of all three games that were close. All three games that were close, Reggie Jackson had the play that lost them the game, or multiple plays, like in game one and game two, or game three, I'm sorry. So Reggie really struggled in this, and I know statistically he was one of the best fourth quarter players in the NBA coming into the playoffs, but he flat out choked in the playoffs. Um he he did not play well down the stretch of every game. He had a turnover, I think, in every single game yeah. in the last in the last minute. In so. game four, he had literally no turnovers, and then I think in the last about a minute and a half or two, yeah. he ended up having two crucial ones. So, yeah, it was really frustrating to see him just because throughout the season he was a good player down the stretch, and even throughout the the games he was good. He was pretty good, and then when it's when it mattered the most, he just was not there, and it cost them big time. It did, and the thing with me is, okay, I get if you're taking the shots and you're missing them, that's fine, but his decision making was decision poor. Making was not that good. It was it was terrible. He and he he looked like he flat out panicked. I mean, every every game he lost possession of the ball. You know, it's he, yeah, it's not even like the Cavs made some stellar play or he just missed the shot like. He literally just mishandled the ball. Like, like he bounced the ball was. off his yeah. foot like three times in the final minute of and the game. And even in game four, the last possession, I'm not saying he made a bad move, but I think he took too long and yep. deciding what he wanted to do. I, I think going for the three 
was totally fine because that way you get the win. And if you go for the two, you're going to OT against the Cavs. Are you going to win or are you not? I think it's just more safe to hopefully you make the three and continue one more game. I'm fine with him shooting that three. But I just think he was more – we were talking about this a couple of days ago, and he was more concerned – withdrawing the contact rather than actually making the shot that's what it seemed like to me. yeah it seemed like he was already banking on there being contact and yeah. he was just trying to throw it up there and just get the contact uh but i'm actually going to disagree with you on that last shot i would have liked to we know look we know watching the pistons all season reggie's not a great three-point shooter i would have rather have seen him take a couple more dribbles in and get a floater i don't really i'd have to watch the play again because i watched it in real time at the game so I wasn't really able to fully break it down. But I believe he had a second or two, so he could have gotten well, a few I mean, more dribbles to the basket. They got the ball with, like, probably, eight, I would say, seven and a half, eight seconds. And yeah. he got the ball, and he kind of stood there for a second, like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. And then he went to the top, dribbled out a little bit. I'm not saying the three-pointer was the best play. I'm fine with it just because I okay. think that it would have helped him if he would have made it, obviously, to continue a game rather than go to OT. It's just because he took a little too long at the top, I think, if he was going to go for the two, the best he would have got is a mid-range, which is fine. But I don't. Know, I just don't think he could have got to the basket completely against Kyrie or LeBron, anyone else there protecting the rim. No, and, and that whole play starts with Stanley grabbing the loose ball, and right. he holds it for a split yeah, he, second, he did. and, and then like, gives it to KCP, who also holds it's it. It's only for a split, split second, second, but yeah. when a couple split seconds add up in seven yeah. seconds, you're like, okay, well, you got to go now. And then Reggie, that was the thing that I saw. I first noticed when Reggie got the ball. He walked, he took two or three steps of walking, and then he started to try and push it and do that behind the back on Kyrie, and then all the, all, all that happened. But bottom line, Cavs advance. Uh, they complete the sweep against the Pistons. Chris, going into the offseason for the Pistons, and just actually before we go into the offseason, looking back at the season, how successful was this season to you? It's uh, It was a good season for sure. Uh, I think coming in, you expected to make the playoffs with the roster you had. Um, I would say the 7th seed would be nice, especially since it's Toronto instead of Cavaliers. Yeah. But, you know what, you played a competitive series. You were a tough out, per se, to the Cavaliers, you to really the team that's going team. to make yeah. the finals. They will be in the finals. And they none of those games were easy. The Pistons played tough, and they gained a lot of experience with their young starting five and I think they have a lot to take from the season and the series as a whole to move forward no I I agree uh I agree with that totally in terms of experience gained and all of that uh I I coming into the series uh, I said you know if the Cavs sweep them how much experience do they really gain from being swept but the fact that they played in every single game was close they've I think they do have some experience in terms of learning how to deal with clutch and all of that. And also, I think that watching the way they played in this series against the Cavs, you can make an argument for them against five of the other teams in the in the conference, right? Like, I think I think if the Pistons were to play anybody but Cleveland, Miami, and Atlanta, I think you could make an argument that Detroit could win the series. Yeah, they got a legit shot of moving on. The thing and is, maybe even Miami. A big takeaway from the series, I think the biggest was, each game, all four games, they came out really, really good. The first half was really good, and then the second half, it's like what it's almost like kind of what happened. Like the Cavaliers made a couple of big shots, and they couldn't seem to get out of it. The Pistons, it's like I don't think they were second half ready. 
And that's where they seem to lose it to me. Like, the Pistons were great the first half and second half. Eh, not so much. And they're kind of coming from behind playing catch-up the whole time. Yeah, and that was the one thing I did like, though, about Detroit is that it seemed like every time it, it was a series of runs. Like, the Cavs would go on a NATO run, then the Pistons came back with the NATO run, then the Cavs responded. So it was nice to see that in this series, like, it wasn't just a lot of these games where Detroit made major comebacks and and, got, and kept it close. Like, they had to keep fighting rally after rally from Cleveland. Um, so overall, the series is over, obviously. The Cavs advance. And offseason-wise, if you're looking at the Pistons, what are what is your strategy for the offseason? What do the Pistons need to do? Um, there's two ways to go, like we were saying earlier and a couple of days ago, even with our other friends. But... Either you think you're one pretty solid piece to actually becoming a contender, because not to let's not forget they won 44 games. Which how much did they win last year? Like uh, 20, 32. Was it okay? So that's a huge jump. And say you have 44 games, you win six more. You're a 51 team and a mm-hmm. 51 team in the NBA. That's a pretty good team. So say you you think you're one pretty solid piece away, which I think you can look at guys. Um, like we discussed, Ryan Anderson, Al Horford, other guys of those caliber, or you think, okay, we like our young starting five, um, we think they're going to learn, and we add to the bench that was obviously a huge problem for the Pistons the entire season and, and in the Cavs series. So either you add two, three maybe nice pieces to that bench, or you add one pretty good piece and one bench player. I mean, however you... I mean, it's obvious they need right. a backup starting point guard. That's a guarantee it will happen. Steve Blake won't be back. I, I couldn't imagine. I, I couldn't. I wouldn't wish Steve Blake upon my <laughs> worst enemy. Jeez, that was, that was a torturous season, man. That, that really was watching Blake. Every time he checked in, my heart just sank a little bit. Um, but, no, I agree with you. There are two separate ways. Uh, the one idea is to get to get the star. Uh, but I would tend to lean towards upgrading the bench just because I think that I think that this core really can work. I do like this core, and the fact that this team is so young, like all of these guys, except for outside of maybe Reggie, are going to drastically improve. Like KCP is going to be a lot better. He's still young. He's going to get a lot better. Drummond's going to get a lot better. Harris is going to get a lot better. Morris. He might get a little. He's probably going to improve a little bit. Stanley will get loads better. better yeah. You know, like these guys are so young, and when you're in your first couple years of the NBA, you really do grow exponentially your first couple seasons. So with KCP, especially being a contract year, I really expect him to play very well next year. Uh, and then uh, obviously Stanley, being 19 years old, he's got he's got a lot of upswing, a lot of upside. So I like the. I like the core six that they have, which is the starting five, and then Stanley Johnson, who we presume is going to be the starting small forward moving forward. So I would tend to believe that you want to upgrade the bench, maybe try and unload that Jody Meeks contract, because $6 million isn't bad. It is an expiring deal for Jody Meeks. But I think that $6 million can get you somebody better than Jody Meeks. I really do. Even though everyone's getting paid this summer, I think you can get somebody and maybe not even better than Jody Meeks but somebody who's actually going to be well, able at least to play. Can tr- contribute yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I I would tend to think that I would tend to think that the bench route is the best just because the, we said Steve Blake awful and Yeah. You know. The thing I think is the way the way I do it is 
I think you add a pretty good player, and that way, I think I think the attention needs to be the four because yes. I don't think they have a definite four. I think Harris can go in between of three and four, but mm-hmm. is he a really solid four? I don't know. The thing I think you go with the four in free agency that will start, and that way you then bump either Morris, Harris, or Stanley. One of those, one of them would start, and then two of them would be on the bench. That way, you're adding a little depth to the bench. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, I think Baines is fine. And then you get you do need a backup point guard. So I think if you have now a pretty good veteran backup point guard, um, Stanley, Baines, and, say, Harris. Harris yeah, because Harris's playmaking ability, right. I think, would make more sense off the and, bench. Well, that's, he's just a nice pop to come off the bench. Right. Like he can come in and score for you. So I think that's... Now you have five good starters, yeah. and you have four nice bench ple- bench pieces. No, I agree with that. I do believe that the four is the spot to uh, figure out. Because if you look at the Cavs are, and look, the Pistons, not to get too far ahead of themselves, they do want to start comparing themselves to the Cavs because if they're going to challenge, they first got to get through Cleveland. So I think that if you're using Cleveland as a measuring stick, look how Kevin Love just abused Harris. You're going to need, I think, in my opinion, you need a bigger, stronger four that can also shoot the three. Right. And Harris shot the he shot the ball okay, but I think you need a better shooting four who's also bigger and can body guys like Kevin Love when, when Kevin Love slides down and plays the four. So the Pistons are done. Let's get to the let's get to the shock of the of the night last night. The Clippers injured not one, but two of their big three last night. Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Now, I did not catch the game, so I did not see how these injuries happen. But I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, the Blake Griffin injury was the same quad that he had problems with earlier. I, I would, I, I'm not even for sure, but I'd imagine so. I, I think so. Sense. I think so, too. Uh, I think I read somewhere that it was the same quad, but I'm not entirely sure on that. And Chris Paul fractures his hand, right? Yeah. It, yeah, it was, a, it was considered a fracture. Yeah. He's out, um, the latest update, I think, was four to six weeks, and Blake Griffin is out well, for the entire playoffs. Blake is, yeah, Blake is determined out for the entire playoffs. Chris Paul was out indefinitely, which is, yeah, you might as well be out. Yeah, I mean, four to six weeks for Chris Paul, That's you're not getting past the, yeah. the Warriors. That, so, if anything, that's like a mid-finals return. Like, I yeah, don't know what that is. And you can't get to the finals <laughs> without Chris Paul yeah. and Blake Griffin. No. You can't be led by DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, and no. Jamal Crawford, and Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers is going to get buckets and carry this team. But no, in all seriousness, this is really interesting because Chris and I were talking yesterday about how crazy and how how nice of a test it would be for the Warriors to face a fully loaded Clippers team. And we were debating back and forth if the Clippers could actually beat them or if the Warriors could win, who was going to win that series. And Chris, I think you ultimately sided with the Clippers would win that series, right? I think the Clippers Curry. would have just because now you have Chris Paul being guarded by Sean Livingston, mm-hmm. and that opens up many options for him because he he can score. Obviously, he's a point guarding and pass the ball, but he can score at a good rate. And not only that, he's just probably going to burn Livingston, which opens up the door for alley oop after alley oop with uh, with uh, Jordan. Jordan and Blake. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agreed with that, but my one counter is something that the Warriors have never had to do all season was the hacker, hacker dr- uh, not Drummond. Jeez. DeAndre. Yeah, hacker DeAndre. They're both bad at free throws, by the way. Um, 
but but yeah, hacking drum or damn, I keep I keep messing up. Hacking Jordan is is a strategy that I think you would have to see Kerr implement, and I do think it would actually be a series. I would pick it to go six or seven, Definitely. but now with with Paul and Griffin both out for easily the next two rounds, this round and the next round, uh, Chris. Let's get into that Blazers series. Now they're tied. Do you think that the Blazers win this series now with both of them out? I think I think now it's it is in their favor strictly because okay, now it's 2-2. Mm-hmm. They have the momentum because they're coming off the win and they know Chris Paul and Blake Griffin's out. This is their shot. I I remember the one of the first podcasts we did for this NBA season I had the Blazers as the biggest losers the entire offseason because they lost three starting pieces, and I thought they were going to be just awful. And I want to say I think their coach was robbed of the coach of the year. I don't think Steve Kerr necessarily deserved it for missing half the year. 73-9? and nine? He was Dude, gone, half, he was gone half the year, but that's, that's, a, that's a different argument, whatever. Um, but I think they see this as their shot, and they can get into that next round. I, I think... I don't know. It's just like it's like you're almost restarting the series. Now you have right. a different Clippers team, and you're tied at two apiece. And now it's, it's best now, of three. It's now a best of three. Um, obviously, two at Staples Center for the Clippers, one at Portland. But who's to say that they can't win one in L.A.? So, no, I I agree with you. I think that the Blazers would be my favorite right now because you look at the last player left, the last star of the big three. It's DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan can't make plays, and he can't really score. He relies on Chris Paul. He so relies like... on Chris Paul. So, like, DeAndre is going to be very impactful defensively, but he can only protect the paint, and this Blazers team thrives on three-point shooting. So I think that now you have J.J. Redick and Jamal Crawford is going to have to take a lot of minutes, and that means you're sticking Jamal Crawford on either C.J. McCollum or Dane Lillard. The thing Lillard, is, with both so... of them, with Redick or... Crawford, it's not like they're known defenders. They're known right. shooters. That's what they, they're there for. So now you're relying heavy minute. They're at least 35 minutes for both of them, I'd imagine. Yeah. And you're going to put them on a young and better players of McCollum and Lillard. So that's definitely going to be a problem for them. It is. And Mason Plumley has actually, has actually played pretty well against DeAndre in this series. So overall, I think that, I think that the Blazers really are the favorites to win. Uh, it will be very interesting to see what how Game Five shapes out because I do think that the Blazers will, or I think the Clippers will run a lot of screens with Redick and uh, DeAndre. That's that was like kind of their that was kind of their third option on offense. I think that's what it's going to come down to is literally the three point shooting because, like we said, without Paul, we're not saying Austin Rivers is a scrub and can't get DeAndre the ball, but. If anyone can get their guy the ball, it's Chris Paul. Right. So, sorry about that, Ryan. That was weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that they're literally going to rely almost completely on their three-point shooting with Redick and Crawford. So, I don't know. It's You live and die by the three for the Clippers for the next three games, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And then you hope that DeAndre just tip slams maybe, every single maybe miss. Maybe <laughs> clean, clean up the boards. I don't so, know. So, yeah. If if I'm Terry Stotts now, which I do agree, he was a good coach and he did deserve the he did deserve the candidacy. But let's not oh, let's man, not get into robbed. it. No, it's it's still Steve Kerr. You no. seventy three and nine, dude. Seventy three and nine. The case is over. Uh, but I think that now what you do if you're Stotts is you just focus your attention on preventing the threes and boxing out DeAndre, and then that's your strategy. 
That's really it. If you, either, if, you, you can you somehow got to find a way to get him to follow trouble, and if you take him out of the game, they're oh yeah. just giant. Or if they even go, trouble. or if they even go hacker Jordan, yeah, and take too. him out, yeah. and then you got, and then all of a sudden the Clippers are out their three best players. Who are they got? Cole Aldridge. That their lineup would be Austin Rivers, Cole Aldridge, Jamal Crawford, JJ Redick, and like. Wesley Johnson Pierce, or, or, all, yeah. or oh yeah, Paul Pierce is on but that team. But he's hardly even played in the yeah. series. I don't know. So, so yeah, it's it, it's tough. It's tough to really pick the Clippers right now, and it is very unfortunate because it looked like it started to look like Noah and I talked about this on the podcast we did yesterday, which will air simultaneously, just to show you how wrong we were yesterday when we were talking all of these uh, series. But the the point I was trying to make is is that this team is just so, it's so, you feel so bad for the Clippers because the, it looked like, it looked like yesterday, as of yesterday, it looked like this was their shot. The Warriors were going down and maybe, you know, you can get lucky against the Spurs in the next round. And all of a sudden the Clippers get to finals and in the finals, anything can happen. And after year after year of saying the Clippers were one of the teams that were going to make it to the finals, now all of a sudden this is the year they start to be counted out and this could have been the year it looked like it was almost shaping up for the, them to be their year right this right, was looking definitely. like their best shot so it's unfortunate for the clippers but i i am happy to see more damian and cj McCollum because they are very fun to watch and let's talk about that next round chris so next round what we're both predicting that the blazers win the series now right I'll take I'll take the Blazers on edge over the Clippers. So let's say Blazers. Okay. okay, so Blazers Blazers in seven, Blazers in six, whatever it takes. And Chris, now, I, how do these injuries shape up the rest of the Western Conference now? Well, for the Blazers or for everyone as a whole, just for I think everyone as even, a whole. Even even Golden State versus Blazers, I just don't think the Blazers will have enough. Um, even without Curry, I think Lillard will light it up though, because you know yeah. Curry's not on him or McCollum either way. How they want to yeah. see how they defend those two, um, but I just don't think they're gonna have enough. And um, it's definitely it's Draymond's Draymond Green's time to shine. I think he's one of the most cocky, arrogant players in the NBA. <laughs> I don't personally like him, but I'm because he's from but, state. No, man. no, no, no. He he just he comes off as just annoying to me. But I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's a very good player. Um, so it would be his time to really prove himself, I think. And I think they're going to win that series. I mean, that's a, yeah. I think that's kind of a given, unless some other weird injury happens to them. But so Golden State advances, and then the OKC Spurs, like that literally should not be a second-round matchup. It's going like, to be so that's good. So, that bothers me. It doesn't bother me, but it's just like these two teams are both deserving, I think, to even to play in the finals, the NBA finals, let alone the conference finals. But here they are in the second round going against each other. I really don't know how that works out. Um, I think those both of them, the, both of those teams, Spurs and the Thunder. I think they would both beat the Warriors wow. in a series without Curry. Oh, okay. Without, without Curry. Curry. So say Curry, say Curry's not there in two weeks after his reevaluation. I do think um, the Thunder or the Spurs would come out of the West, whichever yeah. one wins that series, would... depending on Curry's health, of course. But I don't know who would win that series. I really have no way. I don't. I don't know. They're both so good, and they, I don't know. The Westbrook and Durant, it's like hard to imagine them losing, but we've seen it happen time and time again, so yeah. I can't sit there and bank on them. And the Spurs, you can bank on them. That's the thing. Like, the Spurs yeah. are the Spurs. So I'm going to leave it up, but I think, I'm just going to say, without Curry, I don't think the Warriors will advance to the finals. That's okay. how I see it. Okay. I'll just so, leave it at that. 
So let's look at it. Let's look at it this way now. So you're the Warriors, and you get the and you get the Blazers next round. Do you sit Curry out the entire series, or do you bring him back in maybe Game Four, Game Five, well, whatever, and let him get a couple reps? Everything that's happening is helping them out because now that these two are injured, Blake and Paul, that it's going to presumably extend the series, especially since the Blazers won yesterday, which gives Curry a little more time. Mm-hmm. Um, say he goes seven, which the odds are pretty good to go seven, yeah. I'd say. That gives Curry even more time, and then he'd get his reevaluation. Re- would probably be like game three or four yeah, of the conference there. semis. And say we took the Blazers to win, are the Blazers gonna win three games out of those three or four? Probably no. not. Yeah. You'd be lucky to get two, honestly. It just depends on how close the series is. Obviously, I mean that's a given. Like if it's two two and he's ready to play, maybe he plays on like restricted limits. But if it's uh, Golden State three one per se. I think you just you know bank on winning the series. Let him get his rest. Obviously, he needs to play in some aspects, so shoot around, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But I'd say you know if you can and you feel comfortable winning that series without him, you let he doesn't play in that series. That's how I see it. See, now I'm almost of the mindset like it's hard because that injury, according to a lot of the people I've I've listened to and read say that it's an injury that you don't really play with because it is an injury that it's it's not an injury you play through it's an injury that if you play through you can worsen it like right now it's it's a slight strain or a small tear they're not small sure tear, yet yeah. so if, if he plays if he continues to play on that MCL then it could become a full-on torn and it could be a lot worse of a situation so it, it's that hard but also I do agree that the Thunder and Spurs series is going to be great, but I think that this Warriors-Spurs series is going to be even better. I really think this is going to be an amazing series. Just jumps to the conclusion, Spurs beat the Thunder. Yeah, I, I do. I really think that the Spurs beat the Thunder, and that's no disrespect to Thunder. I think it will be a great series. But my point was is that if they play the Spurs, the Spurs have the be- one of the best defensive, statistic- um, statistically speaking, one of the best defenses in the in the modern era of NBA, in the three-point era of the NBA, which spans all the way back, for those of you that don't know, to 1979. So the Spurs have, statistically speaking, one of the, um, as of February, from November to February, they had the third-best defense all time, and it kind of tailed off because pop rest players and all that, but and, and the, those Warriors blowout games didn't help them either. And they also tied the home record for the best home team, so when you're talking about such a good defensive team like the Spurs, they're already going to make Curry uncomfortable. Then you throw him back in with no experience against that Spurs team that's already going to make him comfortable. He might not be able to get his confidence back for the entire series or his are, rhythm. Are you saying he plays the Blazers series? Or are you okay, saying he I'm sits saying out I'm saying I'm I'm saying I'm not sure. I'm I'm saying I'm saying. It's hard. Be I'm saying that's the hard part about it is because I think that Spurs defense is so good that you might want to think about. And and look, this is all assuming that in two weeks the evaluation is he's clear to be played because we don't know the timeline could be extended and he could be out even longer before it's even considered for him to come back. So we'll say the two week timeline he's clear to play. I don't know if you want to play him and risk further injury. Or if you and try to get him comfortable in game three or four or whatever, whatever the series is, if Golden State's up 3-0, 3-1, probably that's probably the most likely scenario. 
three one three four uh, three one probably three one probably imagine. heading into heading into game five. I think you play Curry just to just to get him some reps and get him ready because this San Antonio Spurs team is a legit defense. So I I I really think that especially shooters like Curry, you need to get in rhythm and the Spurs can if it the Spurs can play such good defense that they might not allow him to get into rhythm between the combination of the defense and the rust. So you're just counting out the Rockets already? It's 3-1. <laughs> no. They did it last year. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jason Terry guaranteed a win at Oracle Arena. Oh, dear God. Not even kidding. Actually, though, um, back to your point, I think Curry just, just to make sure you don't aggravate that injury, if he is clear to play, um, I think you just sit him out for the Blazers series. I think your team's obviously very – very superior, even without Curry to the Blazers. So I think you just bank on winning that series, let him rest, um, keep him ready, and then once the final conference finals comes, you um, get him in there. And you just hope that the rust isn't too much yeah. of a factor. I mean, you we're know? also talking about the best shooter of all time. Probably. Right, so, so you, you know, yeah. You know, he'll hit some and he'll definitely miss some, but, you know. And and it's all a confidence thing with the shot. So, you know, he, he makes one and he really gets going. Yeah, so. he chews his mouth guard on the sideline and Draymond weighs a towel. Old story. I'm over it. Oh, my gosh. This is this guy is the biggest <laughs> Warriors hater on the planet right now. I think the only Warriors hater on the planet yeah, right now. All right. So we'll wrap up with this thought. Um, Chris, tell me of these series left. Which of these first-round series will be the most entertaining for you to watch, and which do you think has the potential to be the best? I think I'm going to go Miami and Charlotte just because um, I think whichever team wins has a legitimate shot of beating, let's say, Toronto. I think Toronto is going to win at this point. Um, And I think think Miami would have won that series of Miami-Charlotte, so I'm hoping they win that. And I want to see Miami... Toronto, and for my own self-pleasure, I want to see Miami versus the Cavs in the conference finals. Um, obviously, LeBron, Miami. Be a good storyline. Uh, he goes in there. He blows it up. They boo him, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going off Miami-Charlotte just because I think it has the biggest impact, potentially, just because I think Miami-Toronto would be a good series, and then Miami and Cavaliers would be something cool to see. Because I, I was thinking about Boston Atlanta, but I just think ultimately the winner of that gets fed to the Cavs, which is, a I think, a general statement by anybody. So I think um, I want to see how that plays out with Miami and Charlotte going forward. Yeah, I do really, I'll, I'll tell you what, I do, I'm actually more fond of the Hawks this year than I was last year, which is kind of weird, considering the Hawks were better, kind of better last year, they looked better, but I don't know, I think this year I've kind of bought into them. But I do think that Cleveland's a team that just has their number, has their um, – Cleveland just is a team that Atlanta doesn't match up well against. But I do think, like, Atlanta would match up well against Miami or other teams. So I am kind of intrigued with the Boston uh, with the Boston-Atlanta series. But I do agree with you. I think that Charlotte-Miami has the most stakes because they are teams that can really um, – not, I mean, not it's obvious Charlotte, just Toronto's more vulnerable than yes. the Cavaliers. And, and to put this in perspective, we are recording this just right after the final of the of the game where the Raptors came back and they came back, they outscored the Pacers twenty five to nine in the fourth quarter to take game five in a three two series lead. Chris, how do you uh how do you see that series shaking out? Are the Pacers done in six or you think the Pacers got enough to force game seven? 
I think when you blow something like that, that just takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. And Toronto is the better team. Like they definitely are. Right. They they might not be playing like it necessarily, but they are the better team. So I think momentum swings back to the Raptors side. I know Game Six would be in Indiana, but I don't know. I think I'm gonna go Toronto in six. Okay. I, I agree with that. I think Toronto in six. And, Chris, I want to ask you one last question before we wrap this up here. With Toronto, Toronto going six or seven against Indiana, are you are you not still not confident in Toronto that they can be um, – that they can contend or even, like, face the Cavs? Like, do you think – do you think they have any shot at beating Cleveland or at least making it a series? I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't even know if they're going to be there, let alone – yeah. Because, first of all, I do think they're going to be the Pacers, but that's not just because I say that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and even that, I think the Hornets are a good team, and I think the Heat are a good team. And I think, truthfully, that's pretty much winner take all. I think Toronto would have an edge a little bit, but we know they're not the best playoff team in the last recent couple of years. Um, so, I don't I don't know. I think Toronto was more scary three months ago. Now yeah. it's just like, eh. I agree. I agree. Um, I, was, I was one of those people that never bought into it. I said, look, I'll – I got to see how they play in the playoffs because look, there is, there is, and people don't really quantify this and neither do advanced analytics that there really is a mental state does mean a lot to teams and it really can affect a team. Like you, you've seen teams like, like Miami's really, honestly, if you look at them on paper, they're not super talented, but they're super confident in themselves and they play great because of that. You know, you know what I mean? So I I don't know. I think I think Toronto's a fraud. I think they are. I think they I think I am at this point. I'm so concerned that I think I don't pick them to get out of the second round whoever they play, Charlotte or Miami. I think if they play Miami, I think it's a good series. Uh or I I'm sorry if I if they play Charlotte, I think it's a good series but Charlotte wins, which would be crazy Charlotte in the I like conference Charlotte. final. Charlotte's cool. I like and then um and then they got and then you got Miami who I think would just beat down the beat down the uh the Raptors because of their experience. Alright, and that will do it for this episode of Crispy Sports Corner. Remember there will be two episodes uh leaked simultaneously. Posted up this one with Chris Phillips and Chris, thank you for coming on. No problem. We'll, Anytime. Alright, we will see you back again yes, and yes. stay tuned for the other one featuring Noah Offman. Thanks guys. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.